0: everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Frank, as always with AJ. How are you doing? Hi, how are you guys? Um, and we have special guests this week. Yes, um, we do. Uh, both of our wives are joining us on the call. Uh, we're here with Megan. How are you?
1: Hello. Doing fabulously.
0: <laughs> and Shayna. How's it going?
1: Hi there. Thanks for having us.
0: Of course. Um, it's been a while. Uh, in fact, since the last time we had you both on, I believe it was uh, in our inaugural season with Wonder Woman, Yeah. Um, which was really awesome to have you both there. And, uh, you know, during this whole time of quarantine, we're, we're recording plenty of podcasts. Uh, we thought, why not include you on one of our James Bond episodes?
2: Thank you for coming.
3: Well, it's also secretly because we are your Bond ladies, oh. so, of course, we had to come on. <laughs>
0: um, and so, as we are continuing our James Bond miniseries, um, we are in the Daniel Craig era. Um, you may have already listened to our episode on Casino Royale, um, but we are moving on to Quantum of Solace this week. Um, so, AJ and Shana, when did you guys watch this movie?
2: We watched it last week um, after we watched uh, Casino Royale. um, And because of how I remember uh, Quantum of Solace being kind of a direct sequel to Casino Royale, we kind of wanted to just kind of keep rolling. So we just watched it uh, last week. Um, Perfect. You guys watched it yesterday, though, I imagine.
0: We watched it yesterday. Um, I agree. I think my memory of this movie was like, okay, it's, it's, you know, just fine. Um, and like we, like I said last week, we rewatched them relatively recently. So, um, we weren't like as eager, although now after watching quantum, I'm like, I want to watch skyfall.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too.
0: Um, so, but you know, we, we got to keep up the pace and and record, uh, episodes after we watch. Otherwise my brain's going to get confused. Yeah.
2: We, you, we have to go one for one. I de- definitely agree, f- agree with that. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, it's interesting cause this movie came out like during our like sentience, like we are full blown people in 2008, We're adults. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, I don't know. I don't remember where we saw this. Where who did you see it with on the first round?
0: I honestly don't remember either. I mean, maybe we saw it that summer or, or I mean, what kind of time of year did it come out? Two thousand eight. Like. I,
2: I think it came out in the fall.
0: Okay, so maybe like a, a winter break or something, or we just maybe rented it when we were that's true from college, because maybe we still could do that. Uh, or like Netflix, like maybe it was one of those things, because like, we were probably getting the DVDs in the mail still. Sure. <laughs> um, so I don't remember the first time I saw it, uh, whether it was in theaters or not. Do you recall, Megan?
3: I feel like I saw this one with my dad. I feel like it was one of those... Uh, I was home we saw it together like my dad and I have a pretty cool like memories of each other watching James Bond it was always part of our like pizza movie night Fridays we'd watch it together and so I think like you said as I got older he was really excited to like go to the movies with me and I was really excited to go and see it with him in theaters so whenever we could we tried to see the films together in the theater
2: that's very special um Did you, uh, I know that you um, like uh, the Brosnan movies. What, does your, did you also like the Craig films as well? Do you like uh, Daniel Gregg's performance, Megan?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's fabulous. I think um, he's much grittier, much darker. It feels more like a spy movie and less like a Hollywood spy movie. So I think... I like his performance. I like the new world that he's bringing to Bond. I really appreciate it. Um, although sometimes I do miss the witty humor and the sideways glances and the perfect Hollywood hair that Brosnan yeah. would give us. There was something special about that.
2: Sure. Uh, Shayna, hi. Um, did you ever <laughs> see a James Bond movie in a theater?
1: I don't think so, but we we brought, are bringing the home movie experience here and I think this was one of my favorites that I've seen so far so I was surprised to hear that it's not a fan favorite
0: interesting okay and had you been you've been watching along with the Pierce Brosnan movies with AJ right
2: some of them some go ahead
0: some and so like so far if you've seen some of the Pierce Brosnan like compared to him do you like Daniel Craig better
1: i think that i i definitely like daniel craig better I thought that he yeah. was able to bring more emotion to it.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's kind of everyone's, like, feeling that Daniel Craig has brought something really special to the role that hadn't been done before. Um, and, uh, yeah, they feel like modern movies now instead of, like, cookie-cutter James Bond flicks. Um, so, yeah, it's this one is... Um, it's interesting to me that like this is truly probably the first direct sequel of a bond. Like I mean, obviously we have this is the twenty second movie in the franchise, but like there's only loose connections between all the other ones. It's, you know, especially when we have, talk about like Pierce Brosnan to Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, there's like some things that are the same, some characters that fold over, but like plot lines, that's pretty much unheard of. So. This picks up immediately where the last one left off.
2: Totally. And it's a a totally different kind of Bond film. This movie was uh, made um, during the writer's strike in 2007. So while it does have, like, all the the same guys who wrote for um, Die Another Day, World Is Not Enough, and ultimately Casino Royale, uh, while they were making this film, you know, they didn't have any writers on staff or anybody in a writing room to go back to make any changes. So a lot of the movie uh, was rewritten on uh, set by Forrester, the director, who this was one of his first times, and then also Daniel Craig. So uh, when they were making this movie, it was kind of a different way at making Bond for the first time. Um, And I don't know, I think while... um, I think I kind of went through a phase where, like, I I liked it when I watched it, then I didn't like it when I kind of learned more about the production and what was going on during the movie and why it kind of has different turns and different points of view. And then kind of I came through a different point where I like it again and that, like, it has a new kind of context in kind of the franchise storytelling that we are getting more used to nowadays in kind of a world that, like, you know... Maybe Quantum of Solace isn't a great like standalone Bond movie, but it's a very good like Iron Man two. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I totally feel that. It's it, it has that Iron Man two effect. It, it's almost a it's almost a two parter in a lot of ways. Like it's uh, Avengers: Infinity War to Endgame. Like uh, in some ways, Bond loses at the end of the last movie, and while like we see him pick up a lead, um, he doesn't ultimately like resolve that conflict until this movie's done.
2: Totally. Um, while you know, uh, with this movie, um, it, it's actually one of the most violent James Bond movies of all time. Uh, they somebody caught that there's like over two thousand, you know, instances of like you know really graphic violence on screen, which is much more than like the normal count, which is like somewhere in like the seven to eight hundred range. Sure. Um, so like. When I, I'm thinking about it back, like this movie is just like really brutal. Um, and that's kind and of it's the last thing we say
0: that because of the the last movie, Casino Royale, like we ha- we had this whole scene where he's like getting whipped with, with the rope. Like, I know that, that's so brutal.
2: It's super brutal. And it, it's a definitely a new re- level of action. And then in this one, you know, I, I think one of the main plot points is that bond keeps killing all the leads Uh, and it's a, it's a really cool and interesting take for him for a movie. And I think while you're watching it, it does play out really well, but then I think it does leave some really big holes in the plot. Spoiler alert.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if we had issues with, uh, with James in the last movie, uh, you know, killing the guy in the embassy, it's like, he keeps doing that and he just, whether it's intentional or like his his uncontrolled uncontrollable rage, or it's, uh, just like he's still young and i mean really like the the events of this movie and the last one together don't take up that much time you know it's like weeks or months or something like that um obviously we see him recover uh multiple times (laughs) but uh yeah um so should we i mean we don't really have to not talk spoilers i feel like we've kind of already uh Given given some things away, but uh, you know if you haven't seen this movie yet, please uh, go watch it and come back, (laughs) please, and and join us afterwards. (laughs) Um, So uh, yeah, let's dig into the plot. Um, AJ, would you like to sum it up in in a few sentences? Sure, Uh, (laughs) as you are known to do.
2: Yes. So the plot, as as I can understand it, is that um, uh, Dominic Green. Uh, runs a company called quantum it's a you know quote unquote green company uh they are uh holding a company a country's water supply hostage by damming an underground reservoir in south america on top of this they're gonna you know they're pretty much forcing this uh company this country into submission to sign over their water rights back to the company afterward um, kind of posing as a green uh, company. um and it turns out that you know, or so we're led to believe that quantum is really the main force behind, uh, you know vespers' uh, death. How'd I do?
0: Yeah, I think you pretty much got it. um obviously it it rolls out in stages like we we discover um, via. Bond's uh, capture of Mr. White that, uh, you know, there's a mole in in, in the uh, MI6 again. <laughs> I feel like we've seen sure. this before. Um, and has gotten very close to M. And ultimately, like, M is tr- almost... Uh, they try to kill her. Um, and yeah, it, he keeps pulling on this thread that leads him to uh, Dominic Green and... Um, just like this greater organization of quantum, which like in hindsight now is like, well, why didn't they just do specter? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's 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 just weird. Specter.
2: Um, it's weird. It, it, you know, in, in the way that I think that they're making movies now, they, you would have, they would have spent more time, you know, building up to a specter. And I definitely think that if you watch this movie in a certain way, maybe it is still specter. And that, you know, uh, one of the best scenes I think in the movie is the opera scene when they're at the opera house and they're having the secret meeting and James Bond, you know, is taking the pictures of them. Uh, When Mr. White, you know, hangs up and doesn't leave. Like maybe he's really a part of Spectre the whole time and he's reporting back and it's really, you know, Spectre we're worried about, but you know, he just doesn't go along with the plan. What do you think of that theory? Yeah, I I think because we
0: never see him again for until later. Not, not in this movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Or he's just smarter than the rest of them, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to just leave because they're going to see who I am. Like,
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so... Um, but ultimately, it's like Bond already knows about Mr. White, so it's not really, like, a huge revelation. Sure. Um, and so then the other piece of the plot is uh, we're introduced to Camille, Camila Camilla. Um, Camilla. Uh, that is also on a revenge mission, and so we have this, like, buddy cop comedy, not really, uh, where they're just, like, they're, uh, their mission kind of aligns in that uh, they're both going towards people that have wronged them in the past, um, which is kind of a really cool thing to have, you know, like, looking back on uh, when we watched Tomorrow Never Dies and, and uh, Michelle Yeoh's performance there, like, we have, like, a badass female protagonist that we can kind of follow along and, and believe in um, what did, what did the ladies think about that? Like having her as a, a strong female character that like is a bond girl, but isn't really his like sexual desire.
1: I think it was, it was okay to have a break from them. Like, right. They didn't end up kind of sleeping together. Right.
0: Nope. Nope.
1: Um, and there was a lot of tragedy in this movie with the other women that were around him. Um, so it was sort of enough if they didn't. Um, I also thought that she was, was strong and it was interesting to see her vulnerabilities and uh, the reasons behind why she was after them uh, were in some ways similar to him and more genuine.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Megan, do you have thoughts on, on her?
3: Um, I think she's, she's a very surface level character. She certainly doesn't get a lot of depth in her role. Um, she doesn't get a lot of dialogue in her role, um, but she gets a lot of action, which I think is unusual for females in James Bond films. Um, I think it was nice that she was not portrayed as the damsel in distress. So that was refreshing as well to see. Um, I liked how she gradually came into her own in terms of, you know, you think at first she's on an independent mission, then you realize she's actually trained by the Bolivian uh, spy organization. I forget what they were called, but um, so you, you learn a little bit about her, but not so much that you want to keep her in the story like she had a role she played her part james helped her she helped james they washed their hands and they were done with it Um, so i agree i think she was a good cast i think she was a good take on the female bond girl without being an object of sexual desire um it was a nice nice addition to that type of role
0: yeah yeah I think that that makes a lot of sense um obviously this movie is is about James kind of uncovering the the truth about Vesper's involvement with quantum and 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 her ultimate death um so for him to have someone to like fall in love with doesn't really work plot wise right but that's not going to stop him from finding a woman to sleep with because no, it's a James Bond movie.
1: Yeah, uh,
2: but I don't know. I I think what's interesting in this movie is um, I don't know. It it's just like it's just kind of like leaping around. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't ever feel uh, in in a way that like the plot is really driving them to go to the different places. It just kind of feels like they just show up, and the yes big kind of stunt scenes that they have um you know i think i think a couple of them are are kind of memorable you know the uh the horse racing uh sequence with uh the mr white uh you know guy shooting chase sequence is interesting and i think the the dc3 sequence with the propeller plane is really cool but i think this movie it suffers from a lot of like we have to hurry up and get here syndrome Sure. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of the locations, um, like we're in a lot of them. Like, do you like even remember like what like, uh, you know, the pertinent ones were? Because I just feel like they're all kind of a blur.
0: Um, we're in Italy for a bit. Um, we okay. we go to Haiti for a bit. Um, and then I I think mostly the rest of it's in Bolivia. In, mm-hmm. in Don't they go
2: to Germany too? And they go to Austria. Austria. Yeah. Austria Austria is yeah. In
3: Austria. Uh, Austria. yeah. And he gets Mr. Or he gets uh, Mathis in Italy. Yeah, or somewhere. So it somewhere. starts in Italy. He's in Italy in the middle to get Mathis, and then they go together to Bolivia, where the majority of the film kind of evolves. Right.
2: I like the Mathis character. I like that he comes <sighs> back.
0: I I really like him too. And I, I we were talking about him yesterday. Like, I like that they they course corrected and were like, "Yep, he's a good guy. Uh, we can trust him." Um, but I I hate the way that James like handles him at the end there. It's just so heartbreaking. Like, I appreciate that he, you know, stays with him as he dies, but then to throw him in a dumpster just seems, like, so unbelievably out of character. Like, I understand that he's deflecting his emotions,
2: um, but, like, why did he do that? I don't know. Shayna, you don't really love crazy over-violent movies. What do you think of that move?
1: I I really like what Frank said about deflecting his feelings there i didn't i i felt as though he should have taken more responsibility i think that's a theme that i feel throughout is that there were two very senseless deaths uh because of him and to throw it away that's the only way you can deal with that but there's a level of arrogance uh, I I liked that he left him and said this is, he would have understood or he wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I know there was a specific quote that he said, uh, but I was very disappointed when he died. Um, yeah. I felt like it was totally his fault. And there should totally be, his you fault. know, some cause or for concern with that.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's like he. If, it's one thing if he just like left his body in the street but he like actively picks him up and throws him in a dumpster like he leaves the other guards in the street so it's not like he's just like okay I'm gonna try to hide the bodies it's like no no, no. you're ju- you're just doing this because you want to show that you don't care um
3: and then the next level he like reaches in takes the cash out of his wallet and walks away like a final little
1: stroke of the pen there um that was tough i think that's what made it uh, realistic that he was killed, more of in a random situation.
0: Right. Yeah, you really feel his death.
1: Yeah, I'm
2: I'm bummed about it. I uh, I, I like this little side character guy. I think he does play really well. Um, so let's talk about um, Green for a minute. So um, in terms of like villains and like a character to like play a villain, um, I I just think that this guy was underutilized (laughs) uh and i think that he's his voice is so good his like his eyes are so menacing and he looks kind of scary but i just don't ever feel like very threatened by him and i don't i don't know i just i feel sad i feel like he could have gotten a better go like everything was set up for him to be great what do you think
0: yeah he's kind of whatever to me i agree like they don't really give a whole lot to him and like I I feel like we we stumble upon him right. It's like oh yeah he's <laughs> this is the way that we we are introduced. Like James just like f- uh, kills this guy that's supposed to kill Camila, and then he's just like follows her. Like just that's that's the way we're gonna f- introduce this villain. And uh, yeah, I mean I I think that they the idea of like this sort of eco terrorist or, or whatever you want to call him that is is basically holding water ransom is like a, a really interesting plot. But, um, yeah, I don't find him to be that threatening. And, you know, ultimately like the final fight between them, he, he's just like flailing about. <laughs> I don't feel like he's, uh, that much of a physical threat either.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, so this guy's name is, uh, Matteo Amaric. Um, he based his performance of green on Sarkozy, the French prime minister. And, uh, the, the, the choice was taken, you know um very early on that they would not like give him some like weird scar or any kind of bullshit like that on his face because they wanted f- for him to feel you know more grounded in like a villain that could hide and play in sight um so I think all that's really good. I think on the page, like there's a lot there to play with. I just don't think that he's given enough to do like in the same way that like you don't want to see him monologue for like two minutes. Like he doesn't have like a cool Le Chiffre moment, you know, or a moment where we really see like how evil and crazy he is.
0: Yeah. And, and I think this is also um, another movie where there's like a too many villain problem, right? Like sure. he's kind of the, the main one that we're talking about, but then we also have, you know, quantum and the mysterious Mr. White and all the other players that are involved there. And then we have, um, the general, I think Madrano, and then the other like chief of police, who's kind of a bad guy, like yeah. And you know, as we're we're going through, we we're just inter- introduced to so many people that like are doing bad things. That like ultimately, I feel like having Madrano be this like like pig disgusting man makes him like even more of a a, a an unlikable person. And then it's like okay green, like, why are you so bad? Why are we afraid of you? Right?
2: Right. Uh, you know, it, I I like that you have Madrano and he, you kind of see him as kind of this fading dictator, you know, at that time, you know, thinking about like uh, Gaddafi and you know, all these other guys that were uh, just about to go down and kind of how like they were trying to, you know, set up the world to keep them kind of going. Uh, but I, I think what this movie lacks is like you know a clear you know through line of plot that like you know kind of makes it um move and i think this movie like is a lot more about character you know whereas you know we are used to kind of seeing a marvel movie where like you maybe you see an infinity infinity maybe you don't but like at least you're growing with the characters for that time you're learning what they their dislikes and likes are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, you know, kind of what their aspirations may be, and like I think that's what this movie like completely is. Like this is just a this is a Marvel sequel for the Daniel Craig Bond, and like there's just not there's not enough meat on the bones. And, and you know what the other
0: problem is? It's like Green is um, is Bond's antagonist here, but Bond is not Green's antagonist. Like, it's right. not a mutual like uh, villain. He's not like out to get Bond in any way. It's just like he's Bond is a nuisance to him through all of his plots, and like he, he's never like, you know, I'm the architect of your pain kind of like character. He's just yeah. You're trying. You're trying to stop me from what I'm doing, but I don't really care.
2: Speaking of um, uh, archetypes of pain, I uh, I was so. I was so happy and like delighted when I saw him and then I was so very much disappointed. David Harbour is in this movie as the uh, CIA agent and leader guy who betrays Bond. Um what did, what did you guys think? Were, were you guys excited to see him show up? Hopper Stranger Things.
0: I think his name is Beam, Greg Beam, the yeah. CIA agent.
2: No,
3: I was I was delighted as well to see Harbour. He's uh I think he kind of came into the spotlight with Stranger Things, but in going back and seeing some of his previous films, um, it's he's a talent that I feel like maybe wasn't appreciated at the time. Um, and now that he's become more of a star, it's it's difficult to see him as a, what's the word for it, uh, kind of a dirty cop. He's kind of a dirty cop. He's uh, He's still that harbor attitude in terms of being a cop um, and feeling like maybe he's a little little bit bigger than the role that he's been given, has a little bit of an arrogance problem, maybe a little bit of a rage issue. But um, to to have, again, you had the James Bond and the Camille, two spies working together. You had, uh, uh, I always want to say Hopper, but um you had the two American agents also working together but on very opposite ends of of the spectrum. Bond representing I think good um and justice and the two American uh agents as as kind of the bad cops, bad guys. Um
0: Yes and, and no. I mean I think like Felix Leiter The Jeffrey Wright character ends up like calling him out on his bullshit, and you know, like he's the one that doesn't want to give up Bond, uh, but like he kind of sees that uh, the Beam character is is kind of a jerk. Um, But like they ultimately are like, well, regimes change every day. You gotta back one. You can't, you know, like it's a it's a messed up world, and so they can't always be the good guys. I think it's interesting how um, you know this movie can paint like the U.S. government in that kind of light, though. (laughs)
2: yeah it's definitely the first time as you know the the uh position of the u.s government like is not necessarily 100 percent altruistic like it's definitely a more hardened look at a colder darker world and uh you know i i do think like for the plot it definitely you know helps to have this little bit of added um tension um i just think that they could have done more with it um You know, the runtime of this movie is, like, an hour and 46 minutes. Like, this, it's interesting, but it doesn't feel, you know, that it's a quick watch either.
0: Yeah, I feel that. And, like, one of the things that we were talking about with Casino Royale is how, like, how much Bond was kind of a detective in that movie and following these really cool threads and being, uh, you know, forced along because of the plot. And here it's just like, oh, yeah, he happened to put a... uh, business card in this guy's pocket so he was able to find figure out where he went and then a couple of other times they really don't explain how bond knows where to go it's just like he just shows up because that's the part we have to be there because of plot
2: right um, you know the I don't love like I do love as a I love it and I don't like the the idea that like bond keeps killing all the leads like I think that that's like a very interesting way to like do him for a movie. But, like, they don't um, – like, there's no ticking clock they they kind of put on it. Like, every lead that he kind of kills, like, there's not a good enough, like, stamp or button that kind of explains, like, what's going on for then the next part of the story. In the way that when you have Cuisina Royale and you go back to uh, Pleasure Island and you see what happened to Demetrio's wife, um, like, you get a good, like, you know – queue scene where we're establishing what the major plot is and like kind of what we're going to do going forward, you know, at each point when we're, you know, about to kill this lead, like the whole idea of what we're going to learn about next in the story, like is thrown off. So like, it's in, it's in and of itself, like confusing. <laughs>
0: like, right. And then there's a whole bit where, uh, they M stops his movements because he kills someone from special branch, which I think is basically like the secret service of the, of Britain. Right.
2: And that should have been way more high stakes and like way right. more
0: played up. And it's just like, okay, you can't go anywhere. And then he, you know, finds his way around, which I mean, of course we'll believe, but like, how did he pay for this boat? How did he <laughs> like even get to Mathis in the first place? Like, right. They just like wash over so many of the little details that help connect the thing. And, um, ultimately just make it feel yeah just like there's not enough connective tissue for for the movie to feel like that it's a brisk pace like i mean we talk about like when we were talking about austin powers like that movie moves and you just go with it here they're trying to cram a lot in and they have to skip through some of the details in order to make it work
2: right like there's definitely like a lot of deleted (laughs) scenes and material here (laughs) sure that there is just like they couldn't figure out how to do it um, all right. So I think um, at the end of the day, like this movie just makes me want to watch Skyfall. Like it doesn't like, I don't uh, remember, um, you know, anything really about it. That's super pertinent. Like, I don't think that, you know, I want to watch this movie like again, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think like I kind of got everything out of it that I wanted.
0: Sure. The one thing I was going to add is that like this movie again with like brushing over details like we see by the end that you know he overcomes and captures green and then it's implied that he gets all the details on quantum so he can find out where this um Yousef guy is the the one with like that yeah. gives the the necklaces to you know so he's he's the character that ultimately um drew in Vesper berlin and like basically worked her uh to his advantage and so like Bond then warns this this other female character, like, to, you know, that he's playing you. But, like, all that is just brushed over. It's just, we we go to Russia, we see him not kill him, and then it's, like, movie
2: end credits. How much better would this movie have been if that's the opening scene? Like, you put, like, put that in the front. Like, you know, do it a little bit, you know, uh, with more, in, you know, gusto so you understand what's happening in that scene. Cause I think that scene in particular where he goes and kills the guy falls from, you know, I- unless you have like closed captions on, like it's hard to make out what they're talking about. Wait, which guy? The Yusuf guy. Well, he doesn't end up killing him.
0: That's the other piece. That's like, he ends up having him arrested.
2: So th- again, this movie is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know. I, uh, I like the way that it ends. I like the way that, you know, it's M and, you know, we need you back. And he's like, of course I'm back. You know, I don't know. Um, I'm, uh, Megan, uh, from your like bond experiences, like, would you like rather see like the, the kind of the story, like continue on forever? Like, or does like having a one-off bond, like kind of the way that the Pierce Brosnan movies go, like, is that more desirable? Like what holds up better over time for you?
3: Um, Good question. I think what's interesting about this Bond and what we were talking about earlier with the the Daniel Craig twist on it is, you know, this was a movie about Bond um, and we mentioned it before. The bad guy is, he carries the plot, but he's not the antagonist. Um, Bond is his own antagonist, Bond is his own villain, Bond's his own superhero. This movie is truly about Bond making a lot of continuing. I should say he's continuing the mistakes that he made in Casino Royale. He's arrogant, sometimes so arrogant, it's hard to watch his actions and to hear his dialogue. Um, He's also angry. Um... And he's ruthless. Like you said, this, I don't think it was a mistake. I don't think that they accidentally included a significant amount of violence because that's who Bond is in this film. And yes, it's hard to follow the storylines at some point, but I think it's hard to follow because you just, you feel how lost Bond is as well. And this is his reaction to feeling like he is unsure of who he is. He's unsure of what his world is becoming. He's not sure how he feels. So we follow him on this strange odyssey throughout MI6. He, I think he gets to the lowest point when he dumps Mathis in a garbage can, takes his cash, and just recklessly throws himself at the mercy of Green uh And I think ultimately what saves him is when he helps Camille out of the fire. And as she's cleansed coming out of the fire, he also realizes what his purpose is. And that is ultimately to get revenge for Vesper so that he can accept who he is. And that is a spy in MI6. And to be a spy, you have to be heartless. You have to be violent you have to sacrifice yourself for your organization. And at the end of the movie, he makes peace with that. And that's ultimately what you want to see James Bond become. That's who he is. Um, So I appreciated that full character arc, even if it really didn't feel like a typical paced James Bond film.
2: Wow, that was was awesome. I I I feel that. Uh you know, it it does really cement, you know, his character kind of going forward. Um Shayna, I'll ask you, do you want to watch the next one? Like does this movie make you want to watch the next movie?
1: Yeah, I I agree that that's the main purpose it played. I know that when we watched it I was very eager to put the next one on and, and we were waiting for podcast purposes but I can't <laughs> I am excited to keep watching
2: so yeah I think we should Um, you know I, I think kind of that's our thoughts like we'll, we'll kind of keep giving more as we you know kind of do our brief rating bit over here but uh, I think that's kind of Quantum of Solace
0: yeah I, and my, my last like p- to put a pin in it I, I feel like while we thought that Casino Royale was the origin story of Bond and that, like, when that movie ends, you're like, okay, he's got, like, his catchphrase, he's got his, his suave new look, he's got his drink, the gun barrel, everything, like, and that may be, but Bond doesn't really become, you know, the emotional character of Bond until the end of this one, and I think moving forward is where we can kind of maybe more align him with the the uh, previous film's without some of the goofiness, I guess, like, but the other characteristics of him. Oh, yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think we can uh, move through our rating system at this point.
2: All right. So, um, I just want to say going forward that I was kind of brutal on this one. Uh, You know, I think that when I'm rating these, like, there's kind of a couple different ways, you know, you could think about rating them. I'm trying to think about overall. I'm trying to think about what makes Bond good for mine. And that's kind of where my score comes from. Um, uh, so that will explain kind of how yeah. I, I felt about it.
0: And and the way I treat it is a lot of comparison. So, you know, I I think if we're talking about each individual category, I'm like, okay, how did I feel about this aspect compared to like the last movie or compared to, you know, a, a different one that we've watched already, just, just to keep it in context.
2: All righty. So... Uh, starting off with our first category, the opening sequence. Um, this movie, you know, it, it does it, it does kind of have one. You know, like, I'm not going to fault it and say that it doesn't have, you know, what is in, you know, it's supposed to be an opening sequence. You know, you have this car chase where we're, you know, shooting and going crazy um, in Italy uh, with Mr. White in the back. Um, but I just don't think that it's like, Told very well or like holds up to the plot or is you know really very interesting to watch it just seems like another car chase so i'm gonna give it another i'm gonna give that a four
0: i was a little more forgiving i gave it a six um i think it's it's cool it's a it's a, a cool car chase but i think what they could have done is you know skip over that part and the the whole chase sequence with the guy through italy and the um you know ultimately when they're fighting with like within the, I don't know if it's a cathedral or whatever it is. And, you know, they, they're on the scaffolding and going back and forth and he ends up shooting him like when he, like, that's the, um, like Mitchell, the the double agent, like that to me would have been a great opening sequence. And like, you sh- he shoots him and then the credits roll. Like, um, so I, I, I think that they could have maybe made a better choice there, but I'm not going to be as harsh as you because I think the two kind of work together in a way.
2: Alrighty, uh, moving on to plot. I'm going to give this movie a four. Um, I think that, you know, if, had there not been a writer's strike, I think what the writers were trying to go after was some kind of specter interconnected story. And, uh, I think that had they had a little bit more development and some, uh, ability to interject, you know, more of those kind of like long-term plot storylines into this movie, it would have turned out better in a lot of different ways. Um, But I think that, you know, given that the Bond people just kind of pushed this movie through even during the writer's strike, like it, it doesn't hold back favorably. So that's why I'm also going to give that a four.
0: Yeah. I gave it a five. I think it's a little bit um, underbaked, but you know, I think if we, in hindsight had created different categories. <laughs> like sure. if, we, if we ended up expanding past 10, like we would, if we had a character development category, which maybe we can allude to in another one, like there's way more character development here than plot. And I, I think that in some of our favorite TV shows, that's what we're asking for, right? Like, so
2: yeah, but that's like, if you want to skip to a different like thing, cause we can just come back to it. Like that's why for like bond performance, I gave this a seven, you know, like I think Daniel Craig is doing a really great job here. I don't think it's Daniel Craig's fault. Like obviously like he wants us to succeed. This is his second outing. You know, he's doing all the crazy physical stuff that he's trying to continue on. I mean, they're never going to be able to, to to top the parkour sequence. It's just not going to happen. But you know, the stuff that they're doing, like it's all the same level of, you know, the physicality that we talked about last time.
0: Sure. So bond performance. Well, uh, yeah, I gave it a 7. You gave it a 6. Um,
2: oh, d- yes. Sorry.
0: <laughs> um, so I agree. I think they uh, – it's not his fault in any sense of the way, sense of the word. It's just like character development would have been kind of an interesting category if we, uh, if we had that. But Bond never had character development.
2: Not till this movie. Um, yeah. Something this movie does not have any is gadgets or a car um it's frustrating uh it just feels like i think bond needs that in order to be bond like and and i think that there's there's a big chasm in this movie where there's no gadgets there's no anything here and that yes that does play in for a cool plot element of like this is bond really stripped down to his most basic assets but at the same time like i don't know i was definitely missing it so i gave that a three
0: yeah, yeah, it's like it's kind of like Iron Man 3 when he loses his suit and he has to kind of use totally, his brains. Totally. <laughs> um but yeah, I gave it a 5. The only reason is because um in the last movie when we were talking about it I was complaining how like all the the tech that they have feels dated. Um here I think they course corrected and um like when they are in in London and like they're talking to Bond about like all the different things like they have these like fancy uh screens and you know kind of futurish tech uh but then sometimes like bond has just like this old ass cell phone like
3: yeah. <laughs> I guess
0: it was like burners or whatever but like I w- I gave it a five just because they upped some of that technology within the universe
2: totally fair rating um okay bond girls I gave this a five I think that the character of camille like is definitely um a, a departure from most of the you know bond girls that we've seen Up until this point, you know, I I definitely think that the level of action and um, the way that she is as integral to the story as she is is definitely um, added value for it, but I don't think that she has, like, any sort of memorability to her.
0: Yeah, I do think that's one of the downsides of it, Um, and nothing really against her as an actress, but I think, like, if they had maybe cast, like, a more like well-known actress in this role, like they, it maybe would have popped a little bit and like, you would be like, Oh yeah, this is the one where it's with, you know, Halle Berry, right? Like the, then you can be like, I remember her as a character, but I, I liked her. I think, um, you know, the fact that she, you know, held her own and, uh, but like, it's not like she was, um, quite like as physical as someone like a jinx or as, um, uh, or way from tomorrow never dies like so I, I gave her a seven i think um she's cool and then we've barely talked about strawberry fields because <laughs> she's like
2: yeah she's so, like a she's like a weird character because she like belongs in a brosden movie um, yeah but she's like you know the name the name is only appears in the credits i don't think they call her strawberry fields until the credits
0: no they just say called her Fields. fields
2: I don't, yeah. know. That's a little, I don't know. That's it, a little silly.
0: It is. And, like, why why have her there only, I mean, I guess it like Shana said before, like, she's a, like, victim because of Bond's actions, right? Like, and, I mean, that happens in Bond movies all the time, but, like, she's just there to, like bring him in and he just ignores it all the time
2: well it's also like the way that she dies is like this visual homage to goldfinger and it's right. like it's cool that they i guess that they did that but you know i i i don't know it's like it's like weird it's like a wink you know but if you have to like understand it to get it you know what i mean like
0: and it's also it's like oil but they're it's like the everyone assumes that green is after oil but He's really not. So it's like, if it was really what he was after, it would be water. So, like, yeah. if they just threw water on her, she'd still be alive. I guess they would drown her if that were the case. But
2: um, Very true. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, moving on. Villain.
2: Yeah. I gave this guy a five. I think he's underdeveloped. I think he, he's the character, the actor that they pl- got to play him, like, is so menacing just walking around. But he's not giving anything really to do. He doesn't have a big monologue. He doesn't have a big um understand like he like the even the scene in the opera is like supposed to be covert and like yes it's like more stri- akin to what that world is today but it doesn't he he doesn't feel menacing or threatening or like he has like some kind of master plan he just feels like a capitalist and a you know some eco-terrorist guy
0: yeah i i agree i gave him a six i think uh as uh he's not really a sympathetic villain. You don't really understand why he's doing what he's doing other than just wanting money. And you know, those are kind of the villains that we really can't get behind.
2: Uh, moving right along to the physical antagonist. There isn't that person in this movie, which I was like kind of looking for, you know, someone could argue that the general is kind of like the physical antagonist. Um, you know, some could argue that green himself is the physical antagonist. Cause ultimately he has a fist fight, with Bond at the end of the movies. How many times do you see that in a James Bond film? Um, and either way, it's getting a five.
0: I gave it a three, but, you know, I think that's, again, because of our category. Like, it, maybe... The categories may be, a, be flawed. Maybe it is. And so, you know, in one way, I could give it a zero, but, like, I you know, the, there is a fight, and I think um, the fact that Bond is so physical in this movie and there is so much violence, it's not, like, one person... Um, so that's why I give it some points, but yeah, there's no like Jaws character.
2: (laughs) No, there is not. Um, okay. Moving right along to the, uh, legacy continuity movement relevancy. Um, I'm going to give it a five because I think that this movie you do need to kind of watch. I think in order to enjoy this movie, you'd have to watch it after casino Royale. I can't imagine like coming to this movie being like, let's watch quantum of solace today. You know, uh, And I think that while it is cool in terms of the new style of storytelling that we're all kind of used to in the longer format of, um, you know, intermediate pieces between the larger story things, I I still don't think it's that great. So I'm going to go with a five.
0: I give it a seven. Um, I think because this is the first Bond to really have continuity, um, it's it's notable. But I agree with you. You can't watch it without seeing Casino Royale. Um, I do think that, Skyfall ends up standing a little bit more on its own. So it's like not, and it doesn't end up being as important here, but like once we get to specter, we know that kind of everything is connected. Um, So I think that's kind of a a, a notable thing that they did here that, uh, you know, otherwise you can't skip it really. Like if you want to watch them all, you got to have, have this movies uh, plot and character development to really understand what's going on.
2: Two more. Um, So, so, Uh, for special effects, I'm going to go with five. I I think that there's a lot of really cool special effects, but I think something that this movie suffers from is really bad editing. And I think that nothing is more a uh, validation of that than the boat chase sequence. Who's chasing who, where are they, where are they going? (laughs) You know, it just looks sloppy and, and bad. And, uh, for that reason, I'm going to give it a five.
0: I gave it a seven. Um, again, I wasn't really, to uh impress by any one sequence i mean like it's like okay we have boats we've got cars we've got planes where are the trains <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. they uh they, they just try to use as many vehicles as they can um i do think that um you know like i, I called out that chase sequence with uh the double agent earlier in the movie it just doesn't stand up necessarily to like the parkour from the previous one but it it is still pretty cool um, and, and the then, D- like,
2: and the DC three sequence is very cool when they jump yeah. out of the plane without the parachute is very exciting.
0: Yeah, and then I mean I think all the the fire at the end of the movie is pretty notable. Like I I'd be really interested to see how they shot <laughs> that because <Fire>. like <laughs> they're not uh, obviously in all that fire. Or maybe there are some scenes where they have stunt doubles and stuff, but um, that was kind of cool and just like the exploding building that, that was kind of out of
2: control. It was definitely exploding. There was a lot of explosions in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> things explode all over the place. All right. And finally, uh, the score and the song. Um, I gave this a solid five. Um, you know, I-, I think this is an interesting one. Um, you know, I kind of like the guitar riff, but I don't know if I love any part of, like, the regular song, and I don't know if I love the duo of Alicia Keys and Jack White.
0: Yeah, I mean, as we were listening to it, like, we keep playing this game as the credits roll. It's like, man, I feel like I know who this artist is, but I can't put my finger on it. And then you get to the, the moment when they say who it is. It's like, oh, yeah, that is Alicia Keys, but, like, why does she sound like that? <laughs> it's, I don't, yeah, it's not a great song. Um, and, and it's not that memorable. I can't hum it for you at all. I don't even remember the title of it. Um, I like that the score relies more heavily on the James Bond theme throughout the movie. Um, Yes. That's kind of why I gave it extra points as a seven.
2: I totally fair. So wrapping this all up, I gave this a score of 48. Uh, Frank gave this a score of 60. Um, You know, so mine is failing. Frank's is like just failing. Uh, Ladies, um, do you think, you know, these ratings are accurate? Do you have any, uh, you know, um, addendums you'd like to throw on there
3: no i think uh i think you guys hit the high points you hit the low points um yeah good summary
1: i feel similarly i probably would have been closer to frank's score in the end uh but i feel like you did a great job
0: yeah and then for context uh casino royale we both gave like low 80s, 81, 83. So um, this is definitely a drop-off from the last one. Um, but, you know, it's it's uh, quite not quite as memorable, I, I will say. so.
2: It's hard to have two good James Bond movies back-to-back. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> it, it's, it just seems that that's, like, the truth, that, you know, that they work very hard to – I think that they spend a lot of time starting a Bond – and then they spend so much time starting a bond that they end up having to kind of just go with whatever that's doing because the machine is already built. And then you know, kind of what happens after that is kind of up to them in in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, like think about it in terms of like tomorrow never dies and Goldeneye, like yes, good back to back totally holds up. But Quano Salas to Casino Royale, I don't think is as good of a you know one two punch.
0: Is, do you, do we think that this has kind of like the Star Trek curse where like the, the even or the odd movies are like, <laughs> I wonder if like if we went through, once we get through them all, are we able to be like, there's a trend here.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a great thing to look at. We should definitely throw that into uh, the list um, of evaluation.
0: Cool. Um, so Megan and Shayna, uh, any other final thoughts on this movie?
3: Um, no, no final thoughts. I think. It's really exciting to rewatch them, um, and I think every rewatch brings up story plots or, like we talked about earlier, like Hopper, different characters that maybe I didn't notice the first time or the second time. Um, I think I I think I appreciate the character of Bond a little bit more, and I appreciate this more gritty dark human side that we're seeing with these more recent films. Um and I'm just I think the whole reason we started this rewatch, at least Frank and I, was because we were so bummed that the final installment of Daniel Craig's was pushed due to the coronavirus outbreak and theaters, you know, having to adjust. Um so it's it's definitely a solve as we're, as you know. Everyone's kind of adjusting to the new normal, but at least being able to go back and rewatch some of these films, it's it still gives me that nostalgia that I look for in Bond, and I think it still provides a really interesting take on a character that I'm excited to see the final chapter of, hopefully
2: later this year.
1: Yeah, is, is Skyfall going to pick up where this left off, or it'll be completely new...
2: I don't know. We'll find Where out in a, in a couple hours. Okay.
1: I guess
2: We'll find <laughs> out. It,
0: it's connected, but it's not quite as. Uh, it's not like part three necessarily. Um, I think it, it has more of its own original ideas.
2: Agreed. And that comes with, like, I think, you know, um, Sam Mendez taking over, who's like such an artful director and like brings a, a total new level of. You know, beauty to bond. I think that that's something that they really captured in Casino Royale, that I really missed in this in this uh, you know go around. That they're they're in Casino Royale, like the the card room, the first shot in Montenegro. Like, there's so many of these epic sweeping shots that are just epic and awesome, and I just didn't feel that in this version. And like, I'm excited to kind of get back to that and and go forward. So, sounds good. Uh, listen, folks, uh, we hope you enjoyed this latest installment. Thank you so much uh, to the long lost heroines, the long lost hero wives for jumping on f- for this uh, episode. We really do appreciate you guys for doing this and, uh, you know, putting up with all of our podcasting bullshit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you want to find us online, you can check us out online uh, www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us, info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us for social media at LLH Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Stitcher, um, all of the main streaming apps. Uh, I'm AJ.
1: I'm Megan.
3: I'm Frank.
2: I'm Shayna. Thank you, guys. Feel better. Thanks, everybody. (laughs)